Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Oh, Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Everybody, this would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. Good to be with you again. Unfortunately, with you again from the house. But I think this is it, guys. I think I'm on the back end of it. Once again, a reminder at the start of the show, I hate doing this, and I don't draw attention to it because I want empathy, although that's awfully nice of you. I saw some folks yesterday in the chat during the interviews, before the interviews that we had, uh, wishing me well. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. It's just a standard pretty severe cold is all it is guys. Um, it's not COVID. It's not a flu. I, I don't think it's just been a really bad cold. And unfortunately it affects my voice and all that, but I didn't want to get anybody sick. So this week has been a week in which we've worked from the house. Uh, I will say this, listen, if you are just tuning in today on Elevations Friday, relaxing, maybe hanging out on your porch, maybe you're on the golf cart listening. I appreciate all that. Maybe you're dropping off packages for your job. If you're UPS or whatever it may be, all that good stuff, you know, I love you guys. Um, this has been a good week of shows, man. Tom's done great work. I feel like I've done pretty good work for being sick. The War Chant crew's done real good work. I don't often self-promote or overly promote my employer, but man, we're in the middle of an off-season. Spring football has not started, and we've had content galore this week, and I'm proud of everybody uh, for it. And, um, you know, in, in, on a more practical level, uh, you're just interested in Florida State football, let's say, uh, or Florida State baseball, basketball, whatever it might be. Uh, and you want good, fresh content um, so that you can relax and not think about the stresses of the world and all the things that you do on a daily basis for your job and your friends and family and all that. Um, Warchant's been a good spot for you this week. We had Ingram Smith on, CEO, Battles In, got a sense of what the last three months have been like for the Battles In and now your opportunity to be involved with them at thebattlesin.com. Uh, at the end of last week, we had Mike Norvell. You can go back and listen to that interview this week. It's both offensive and defensive coordinators, starting with Adam Fuller earlier in the week. Really enjoyed talking with him. 
Adam's candor is always greatly appreciated. Really, all of the coach's ability to open up and answer questions honestly and directly is greatly appreciated. Uh, I thought Adam was outstanding. And I thought yesterday's interview was also very good with Alex Atkins. Uh, he is a straight shooter and no-nonsense guy. You can see why it's easy to want to play for him. He's fun. Um, and uh, I'll tell you, off the air, talking to Alex uh, and Adam and, and Mike, they were all great. They were all great, just as they were on the air. So we're off to a good start, but that's content beyond toot my own horn or Tom's or anybody else's at War Chant and these coaches. That's content you're going to want to consume before the start of spring so that you get a sense of what their expectations are. They give you a preview of their position groups and their segment groups that they're coaching up and the newcomers uh, that are joining them on the defensive and offensive side of the ball. You're going to want that uh, just, again, as you enter into camp to kind of have a jumping-off point and some base knowledge for what we'll be covering on a daily basis. Uh, next week is the luncheon, uh, I believe, is it Friday, Tom? Next Friday, one week from today, is yeah. the luncheon in which we'll sit in with the coaches and, and um, get get a – you know, another big preview of what they expect. Uh, it's a it's a brief little in and out. You go there for that lunch and you have lunch, you have the conversations. We get a lot of audio. We get a lot of stories out of that. We get a lot of content out of that. And then they begin the following week and it's just a few days and then they're off like everybody else is for spring break. Yeah, I think if, if the schedule holds to the way it was last year, we'll probably record the first hour on Friday next week to afford us the time to go through some of the interviews. And then we'll do a live second hour reacting to how the luncheon was. That's what we've done um, in luncheons past. Uh, some days it's actually a headlines day on a Tuesday. We've had that. And now this was the more standard Friday afternoon. But yeah, given that, you know, we talked to the coordinators this week, we'll see. We divvy it up at War Chant because the size of the staff is massive at War Chant. Wink, wink. Uh, but we divvy up between what coaches speak to what staff members. We'll see what they all say. And then we take the best of it to you next Friday, but then we've also got a cool show on Thursday of next week in which we're going to the tour of duty workout first thing in the morning. That's usually around what, like six, six thirty in the morning, which is yeah. kind of cool. They yeah. started and then we'll have reaction on what guys look like. So many newcomers here, the transfers, the true freshmen. And then of course the transformations done by the guys that are still here and are, you know, one more year in the program, one more year in the strength and conditioning program. That's going to be fun to observe because as I point out often, when we did this thing, Three calendar years ago, just before the pandemic, and we went to the tour of duty, this roster looked like a low-level power five, mid-level group of five roster. And my thought was, walking out of that building that day for the first tour of duty under Mike Norvell, this group better have a chip on their shoulder because physically it ain't going to be done by itself. And now they've come a long way from that. And we'll see just how far they've come uh, on Thursday of next week. So it's finally here. Uh, spring practice, uh, this is the most anticipated spring practice since the quarterback battle in 2013, I would say. Can't yeah. wait to cover it. And I, and I love these media procedures uh, because we get to see it up close and personal and bring it all to the forefront, which is just the whole point of the thing because you care about it and you want to hear more about it and see and read more about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a passion for, and, and I think anybody listening to this show or a member of warchant.com, and if you're not, get on it. Um, go sign up for warchant.com. We got ton coming up for you and what's going to be a fascinating year as we've been describing for the last couple of weeks and really since all off season, that's not going to change. There's so much reason for optimism and, and excitement around the program right now, probably the most yeah, since 2013, you're right. So um, it, it's exciting. And, and I would want you guys to be a part of that, but I, I, I it's funny too, Tom, because I think um, when we go into this, 
with, with the players and the coaches that it's, uh, we're so enthusiastic, so excited about the possibilities. I'm reminded of what you just said a moment ago about how, when we walked out of there, you and I talked to each other. We were, we were devastated a few years ago when we were, when we were looking at that roster and I think everybody has a different level of optimism or pessimism based on their overall personality and their life personality and all that. But, uh, I tend to want to find some balance. I think my, I'm always trying to find some balance. Like I can be really enthusiastic about a player, but then I'm immediately drawn to, well, the negative aspect of another segment group or something like that. And because we're so enthusiastic, because we believe this team has a real possibility of being very, very good. That little voice in my head keeps saying, let's, let's monitor, let's watch closely exactly uh, what's what. We know they're going to be strong in a lot of key areas. Find those areas in which they're not, and let's find real growth from the beginning of the spring to the end of the fall for the start of the season because those are the areas that have to be addressed. You know they're good at quarterback. You can get swept away by that and watch that a lot. Um, but we already know Jordan Travis is good, and you know that you've got a running back in Trey Benson that can be phenomenal, and as long as he's still running as hard as he was towards the end of last season, probably just put that back here and – Looks for some other guys, maybe for quality depth and that kind of stuff, you know, because we already know what Trey Benson is. And then defensively, you're going to look in some areas and there's more to, to, to really flesh out there. Um, but I'm intrigued to see how many do I write down that process you just described where we came off the field a few years ago. I remember saying you got to be careful how you address this um, because it's going to come across as if they've got zero chance to be any good at all. And I'm usually not willing uh, to tell my audience, not because I want to lie to them, that a team has zero chance to be good. You know, now there are times we've had basketball teams before where I've gone, uh, guys, I, uh, I, I don't know how this is going to become anything other than a 500 to sub 500 team. And we've had football teams where I've said, guys, this is, they got too many problems, too many weaknesses. They're not going to be great. But I very rarely said that somebody couldn't be any good at all and you'd be lucky to win three games in football. I very rarely said that. Those days where we were walking off that field, I did feel like they might not win three or four games. I thought the roster was that sorry. Why do I bring that up? The opposite is true right now. I think we could get carried away and start talking about national championships and 12-0 seasons. The roster is that much better. And when you juxtaposed for what you've seen from a five and seven campaign just the year before last, it is perhaps maybe uh, indicative of getting swept away with just the, the newness of winning again. And I want to see on balance, I want us to check each other like, okay, let's be honest about what this is. Part of the problem you have, and, and this is a problem that we all have, all people in media covering any program is you cannot compare it to anybody else because you don't cover Georgia and you don't cover Alabama and you don't cover Ohio State. We know what their roster looks like. We know the names of their starters. We know what they've recruited or the way they've recruited, but you're not there to see it up close in person every day. So even if you're wowed by Florida State, it's hard to know what level of wow you should feel. Yeah, I hear you. I, I think this particular year, we all take turns, but you'll do mo most of the checking for the staff in terms of what they're not. Um, I mean, spring is about your own se damn self anyway, about your own team getting better. And, and Alex said that yesterday, yeah. And and it's also about fleshing out, you know, a first impression for the two deep. And if you've got actual 
combatants that can maybe fill out a three deep, that's a compelling battle across the board at most positions. Don't Safe. disagree at all, and that will be compelling no matter what. Save for linebacker. I, I think we feel pretty good about there being a full two deep at every other position on the field, especially with the move of Mari and Cooper to safety. That helps matters at that particular group. So if, if that's the case, then this is about twofold, battling each other within a segment group for the right to be getting starters reps at the beginning of fall camp, and then also battling across the other side of the football with a group that is equally or pretty much on the same level in terms of depth. That's what makes this whole thing move better. Look, by the end of the year, I get that you lost three straight to ranked teams, but we all believe that this offense is of the caliber to be top 10 in the country. Agreed. And I think probably better than that in terms of point output, efficiency. Yeah. And then also, again, as I've said before, just in terms of how you scheme against it, it's a real problem. It's like not having a queen on the chessboard. You, you've got to make some moves happen. I don't. You're probably just prolonging the inevitable here. As long as we don't turn the ball over, we're going to be in very, very good shape this fall, offensively speaking. And we should be better at most positions versus last year. If not outright better in the front line, then they should be deeper and more talented at most positions on the field. So if the baseline was that this team was good last year, and we can all agree that they were good, different shades of how we feel about how good they were, then they should be very good this year. The schedule matches up in a nice way with the level of talent you see on the field. There are some years where you're like, man, are you kidding me? They're going to peak at a time where they play four brutal football games on the schedule because they got to go to Notre Dame when they're at their peak under Brian Kelly and then Florida's top 10 and Miami's top 10. I know whoa, I'm dating. Whoa. Whoa, whoa. There ain't been too many times Miami's been top 10. Yeah. But it, yeah. 30 years ago, I, I know what I'm doing here. <laughs> there are times, I'm sure, in that 14-year run where you're like, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Sure. We're, we're good enough to beat anybody, but, man, we picked one hell of a year to have three seniors, a senior quarterback, a senior linebacker, because everybody else is stacked, too. This doesn't feel, this upcoming season, at least right now, unless there's storylines that emerge in the spring from other camps, this doesn't feel like you're going against murderer's row of that oligarchy of college football in Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia, and now welcome USC to the party, Clemson. Doesn't feel like that because there isn't as much proven talent, especially the quarterback position, at those particular places. So for me, that's why I'm in dare to dream mode. They're going to get better in spring because they've got more parts to test each other with every day for that whole camp. And then also, when you're looking around the country, you don't have six Heisman candidates that they're going to have to whittle down to three at the quarterback position just yet, at least not proven. Now, that could change in the fall, and everybody's got a stud for freshmen, and we're kicking ourselves and saying, well, what the hell, man? How unlucky are we? But that's not where we are at present. That's why I'm not going to be in check-yourself mode just yet. Well, the re and, and, and I say this, I want people to understand my perspective. I reiterated this the other day, and I'm going to keep having to do it because people have selective hearing. Uh, we all do. I'm sure I do too, so I'm not trying to say uh, I'm separate and apart, but I know this. I'm all too keenly aware of it as a talk show host. <laughs> uh, pe people have selective hearing. I'm not going into the spring uh, with this idea that I'm going to combat every positive review after every practice by this staff or anybody else uh, for the sake of doing it. Uh, Cause I want us to have some balance. If they're overwhelmingly good on a day or there's a segment group that is wowing, we're going to say that segment group looks like an elite segment group this year. And they have an opportunity to dominate the vast majority of their opponents because of that. I'm just noting that I think I've taken the leap 
and you even admitted that I've probably done it before you. I've taken the leap from wanting us to be good to wanting us to be great. Yeah. And therefore, and this is the fan in me. The fan in me is like, no, man, we're already good. We were good last year. We weren't great. We weren't great, as evidenced by the three losses and really the close games against anybody that had a pulse. Uh, but we showed enough and enough progress, and we've added enough and enough depth on the offensive line, and you have this quarterback coming back, and you added those tight ends, and you have an elite running back, that I want to take the next step. I'm ready to take the next step. So comparing and contrasting to that standard is where I'm at on a daily basis when I assess this team. And I just want people to know that because if you're still in the uh, honeymoon phase of, oh, my God, isn't it beautiful not to suck anymore, then it's going to feel like a, a harsh jump when I start comparing this team to the best in the country and asking questions about whether or not they're there, you might go, what is wrong with you? Why, why do they have to be there? Because they do. It's in year four and they're ready to go. They, they're ready to take that step. And it is not often that you enter a season with this much depth on the offensive line with a quarterback. That's one of the best five quarterbacks in the country. You just don't get that opportunity. And this team does. Yeah. The thing is correct. I agree with that. The thing I'd say is if you're trying to compare this roster to Georgia or compare this program to Georgia. It's not as good as Georgia's right. I want them to be a playoff team, though. You're never going to get there this year. You're Uh never going to get there. But the question is, the question is, with the advent of the portal, COVID eligibility, a lot of these dudes being older now, I can't continue to say every year, look how young our team is. Like, at some point, that's just not true anymore. Yeah, yeah. How much does that mitigate high school recruiting at the elite, elite level? And that's the grand experiment if Florida State is to get into playoff contention this year. And then who knows if they're if it's a one four matchup with Georgia in the semis or the semis, excuse me, the semis. Thank you. You're going to see it. I stopped myself midway through. Uh, then you're going to see the grand experiment play out on the field. Uh, and that's what we're all hoping to see this year. But again, we haven't sniffed a top five recruiting class in a minute here. I mean, and, and even when we did, those guys didn't pan out towards the end of Jimbo Fisher's tenure. So. It's been a minute since we've been in that conversation in the high school ranks, but how much can the portal and fortification of depth through the portal and plus development of lower level recruits put Florida state in a position to close that gap? And does the veteran presence on this roster help you against the Georgia squad that just won back-to-back titles and has shed an awful lot of experience the last two years in the NFL draft? Well, last year, and then this upcoming one in a couple of months, that's the grand question. But if you're saying, which talent, which roster, or which program has more talent? I mean, wh- that's an easy answer, and that one's over in five seconds. The question is, what do you do now if you're FSU? Yeah, because the path to accumulating that kind of talent begins with a back-to-back campaign of 10-plus wins. Yep. And, and, and that's why they have to have that kind of a year this year. By the way, Florida State, I haven't been able to do this in a long time, not with any degree of sincerity. Here you go, guys. Or State taking on TCU. This is a huge game. That's a top 10 TCU team. We get a watch, chance to watch this on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, if you don't know about TCU, the reason that they're as well thought of as they are, they're 2-0 against the top 25 already this year. Uh, beat Vanderbilt 11-4. That is a convincing win over a program that's a perennial powerhouse. They beat Arkansas, who's also a perennial powerhouse these days, and with facilities for days, I might add. They are the envy along with a few other teams of college baseball from a facility standpoint. They're also really good. They got pasted by TCU. 
18 to six. So if you're doing the math at home, that's 29 runs in two games against two of the top 15 teams in the country. Uh, TCU uh, lay in the wood in those two games, 11 to four and 18 to six. Uh, they did turn around and lose to a Missouri club that is ranked outside the top 25. There was a big comeback win for Missouri, nine to eight in 10 innings. Um, but my, my point is, while they've given up 18 runs in those three games, meaning TCU has, meaning you can maybe score some runs against this pitching staff, um, they've hit against everybody. They've averaged double-digit runs on the season. They are obviously a team that up and down that lineup can really hit. I'll have more specific names and people to talk about later in the show. But here at the top of the hour, there's reason to kind of belly on up and get locked in and watch you a college baseball game early in the year because it could go a long way in deciding what Florida State's resume is at the end of the year when we're in the running for perhaps uh, hosting a regional. And and so you're going to want to see Florida State put their best foot forward this weekend series against TCU. I will also note that no matter Florida State's hot start to the year, and it's been a great one, they're 4-0. They've been pretty dominant in these games. That's good to see. They've certainly hit the ball well. Um, they're the decided underdog in this series. TCU is considered a better team, uh, a more established uh, team in the sense of what they had coming back and obviously the continuity of coaching staff. So for Florida State fans, you're going to be watching this game tonight, tomorrow, and the next day. Um, uh, a team that's a bit of an underdog. Doesn't mean they can't go up there and take two of three. It's baseball after all. Let's see how they perform. And uh, who knows, maybe by the time we come back around on Monday, Tom, we're talking about being giddy with what this team can do if they do go up there and win the series. I think that's exactly what we would think. And if they come back having lost all three games and none of them are close, a shot back down to earth. As I said the other day on the show, don't let either result tell you that a team is this or that this early in the season. It is just a marker and a checkpoint to look at a little closely and see kind of where they're at. Well, first of all, I'd say, what has Link Jarrett ever done with an underdog? I mean, come on, man, prove it. <laughs> you haven't done anything with an underdog-style team. Now, yesterday when he was uh, available to the media before they hopped on their flight, they did a virtual um, press conference. You can find it on Warchant TV. He likened this upcoming weekend's atmosphere to a super regional feel, which I find interesting that the head coach yeah. in week two of a season is willing to put that much pressure on a series. I think this is an ultimate mental test that he's presenting to the clubhouse and saying, here you go. What are you made of? And if you look at the schedule for Florida state, again, it's a month before they start playing ranked teams, unless somebody emerges out of nowhere between now and then, but they play a whole bunch of ranked teams from about the end of March through the end of the season, the ACC yeah. stacked with them. Florida is at present ranked in the top 10. Uh, so you've got a bunch of those types of weekend series and midweek games against Florida where you're going to have resume builders and, and that might water down the win loss record, but your RPI is going to shoot through the roof, given the difficulty of the schedule in the back half. This is the loan opportunity in the early part of the season to make some headway in terms of credibility ranking and things like that. So what I find interesting tonight, given that link Jarrett has put that type of hype on this upcoming weekend series, if you're in danger in the second inning, it's two to nothing TCU runners on, first and second at one out does he go to the bullpen already like how does he manage this series does he play for tonight and he goes for broke to go get a win on a Friday or does he sit back look at the grander picture and allow these kids to fail and maybe learn from those experiences for an extra inning or two and say all right we'll go get them tomorrow 
because the way he's messaging about the series before they get on the plane tells me that he that they're going to go for broke, that they're going to be very aggressive, even though it's only week two of the year. But uh, color me fascinated. Hopefully Florida State's up four to nothing early in the game. We don't have to worry about this. But I just wonder when it comes to management of the pitching staff and the way he manages the game, how much of a leash does he give a brand new roster, a brand new program, or does he play for we need these wins and we need them now? It'll be fun to watch. Link is already suggesting and showing that he's about week-to-week, day-to-day, month-to-month challenges and poking and prodding and figuring out who people are. There's a methodology to all this, and you can bet he's decided what he's going to do before he gets out there. He knows damn well uh, how he plans to deal with this. They give up seven runs in the first. He knows what he's going to do about that. Two to two in the fifth. He knows what he's going to do about that. Um, I like the certainty that he brings to the table. And I also kind of like there's a process involved in all of this that you're describing. And I think he's a proactive manager in that he wants to thrust certain challenges upon his team internally, externally, you're going to have that by the opponent internally. I think what you're watching with link is a guy figuring out who are these guys? Are they soft? Are they tough? I know certain guys are talented. I can see that I'm a baseball coach. I'm looking at him. I know he's talented. He's got skills for days. eye hand coordination, bat speed, whatever it might be. Guys got good stuff. I can see that, but I got to find out if these guys have, any what for at all, or are they broken from a year ago? Are they still in need of being coddled? And I just like that. He doesn't mess around with it. You know, the comments are meant to elicit a response uh, from his team, from his team. He's messaging to his team all the time. It's cool. Jeff Cambridge, 93.3 real talk radio and war chant TV passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the cameron show is a production of the warchant.com multimedia network check out warchant.com today for the latest news inside florida state athletics that's warchant.com now back to jeff on real talk 93.3 do you remember jeff cameron show libations friday somewhat loosey-goosey Maybe not completely loosey-goosey. Not as loosey-goosey as I'd like it to be. Uh, but, you know, that's what happens. Because uh, I got thinning out here, Tom. Thinning out a little bit. The sickness is getting to me. <laughs> there you go. That's the one benefit if, you, if you're going to be down for the count a few days. Like, ooh, look at the scale. All yeah. right. Yeah. I've lost six pounds this week just from being laid up, not eating, not drinking any beer. I haven't had a drop of alcohol in a week. Um, 
I'm gonna start getting the shakes. I'm kidding. It's a joke. But I, uh, yeah, no, I've been, I've been a damn monk over here. I haven't eaten anything because you know how it is when you're sick. You're not eating. Yeah. You're just kind of like, uh, I'll eat a, I'll eat a bean. Yeah, yeah right. I'll yeah. have, I'll have a, another Gordo's cup full of uh, some mix of a sports drink and water, please. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. I have, so, you know, you guys already know this, uh, Lord knows, you know, it if you listen to the podcast, but, uh, I drink athletic greens and I don't want to miss out on those opportunities because it's all the nutrients and vitamins that you can want. And I say that even when you're healthy to do it, but guys, our next partner that you're going to hear from is athletic greens. You've heard me talk about, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to cut a new spot for athletic greens guys. That one is admittedly long. It's long. I haven't really been able to get in the studio, but I wanted to make sure I do the athletic greens, but you know what I did <laughs> yesterday? I did the athletic greens first thing when I woke up, I'm not sleeping uh, real well because I'm congested. So you, you wake up, I go to bed early. Next thing you know, I wake up at one in the morning. I can't get back to sleep. I'm tossing and turning. So I'll come out here and um, you know, I'll, I'll go to the den or I'll go, I'll go into the, the main room and I'll watch uh, TV, but that's not good for you either. Then I try to read a book and I can't fall and I fall asleep, but I wake right back up. It's silly. So, I switched it up. And I, got, I don't want to be a, a new spokesman for anybody, but I got to tell you, I feel very good about the Alka-Seltzer Cold Plus remedy, buddy. Mm. Just so you know, I'm going to do a public service announcement here. It was great. I did it last night. I put it in my little athletic greens container, shook that baby up, dissolved two tablets. I haven't done Alka-Seltzer since I was like 10 years old. <laughs> That's an old man, old woman drink, and I so did it. It knocked you out? Yeah, well, it, it. I don't know if it necessarily knocked me out, but when I went to bed, I fell asleep, and I stayed asleep from 9.30 p.m. until 5 a.m. That is a perfect night's sleep. That's a lot. For you, that's like sleeping an entire day. Yeah, it's a miracle. I couldn't believe it. When my eyes opened, I thought it was like 2, and I was like, oh, here we go. Here's the tossing and turning nonsense. What are you going to do tonight? Maybe listen to music or something. I ended up like rolling over. I try not to keep like the clock in my room where it's the red light where you see the digit. I don't want that. And I don't have my, I used to keep my phone right next to my bed. I don't do that anymore either because it's a bad habit. So I kind of got to get up and maneuver to see the clock. And I did it and it said five. And I went, it's time to get up. All right. I slept through the night. Here we go. Much to my wife's chagrin when she heard me turn on the water in the shower. She's like, dude. I don't get up at five. Why do you <laughs> like that's Duffy? Sorry, I'm up. What a night's sleep. Couldn't believe it. Do you at least close the door to the bathroom? Of course. Okay. Of course. I don't crank music or anything like that while I'm in there. I normally on the weekends I do, but yeah. Yeah. I'm like, let's get it. Let's go. I like to listen to podcasts. I like to listen to music when I'm in the shower. I got that little portable Bluetooth speaker, the whole deal. But the point is, Alka Saucer Plus came to the rescue last night. Could have been a coincidence. I don't know, but. I do, you ever, like a rock. do you ever run to the bed and just jump and land on the bed when your wife is sleeping? You ever done uh, that? If it's, if she's sleeping too late and I've decided that's enough, enough is enough. <laughs> it's fun. Even with the good mattresses that don't, you don't yeah. feel have, you'll feel that. It, yeah. It, it, come on, man. Yeah. Well, and you know, I mean, I am the worst. I mean, I, I, be, I am that guy who, because I get up early, think everybody else should. Yeah. And, and so it's kind of, we're wasting the day, everybody. Let's go. <laughs> such, 
it's just such horse fecal matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was on the wrong end of that 13 years ago. And yeah. Get up, Tommy. It's time. That's why it's in my war chant contract. I'm never doing double occupancy ever again. Well, neither of us are. I mean, it's that uh, we're, we're doing better now where we wouldn't have to do that. <laughs> I, I don't ever stay in a room with anybody either. Uh, you know, once you get... But you get to a place where you don't have to stay in a room with somebody. You never want to stay in a room with them again, even if you love them, even if you care deeply about them. You're like, it's still been, it's whatever your night habits are, aren't my night habits. I'm not all that comfortable with you being on that bed right over there. This feels weird. I don't like it. Yeah. So it's, it's, and it's not some homophobic thing. It's just like, I don't want to hear you snoring. Just like, you don't want to hear me snoring. I don't want to hear you get up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom. Just like, you don't want to hear me get up in the middle of the night. How about that? He clears his throat every 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that great? You know, once an hour, I hear him flipping and flopping over here. What the hell is that? Are you sipping on a, a beverage? Uh, <laughs> Pull the hell over. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. So, there's that. I brought all of this up as a way to avoid talking about Florida State's upcoming ass-kicking in basketball, everybody. That's the lone mention that you're going to get. Um, I would... I would say to you this, I will not watch, yeah, <laughs> I won't watch it. The season can't end fast enough. I had a national, uh, this sounds self-serving, I don't mean it to be. I, have a, I had a national host that I'm friends with uh, text me the other night, Tom. That's when you know things are bad. Yeah. I only hear from this guy. I can guess. Yeah, yeah every once in a while especially these days because he's busy. So I get this text and he's like, is your boy going to make it? He's living in New York City, working his ass off, and he had the time to text me to ask me, is your boy going to make it? That tells me that even he's like, oh, my, this is. Yeah. And that is really on the minds of everybody. And I do not definitively have the answer for that. I don't know. I don't know if he is. Boy, I didn't know that you and Mike Greenberg are actually uh, texting buddies like that. <laughs> I was assuming it was somebody else, but I guess he was at uh, Pier 18 or whatever the hell they're at. No, it, it wasn't Mike. I need to ask Jeff Cameron what's going on with Leonard. He, he is that. Yeah. He, that is just being greeny. <laughs> no, he, uh, no, it's not, but it's, uh, it's a friend of the program. Still listens every now and again. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't, I don't know, man. I, <laughs> I don't know how to answer. I get that question all the time now because people know I'm an advocate. Do you think that if uh, Mike Greenberg reached out to you and said, if you need anything, you could just reach, reach me at ESPN Greeny. Like, I think he, he might be capable of doing that. Not giving you a phone number, not giving you an email address. But if you need anything, mm. just direct message me at ESPN Greeny. And make sure you follow, by the way. I need more followers. I'm, I'm pushing a book right now. He, um... He was good to me when I went on Mike and Mike um, a few times. Their producer, that producer and I are still in contact occasionally. You know who I'm still in contact with is uh, Colin Cowherd's producer who used to have me on a couple times. And, and Did that person move over to Fox? I've never heard that. His main, his main guy did. Um, but now he's mostly TV, so I, I don't know. He had like a three – he had a team. Like he had a team of guys. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and Bamani and I are still really close. And and so that I do talk to him all the time. And he's he's one who texted. But I I of those national guys, there are a few that are really good and they'll they'll reach out to you and every now and again just I mean I, I give credit to Bamani Jones. By the way, that show on HBO is good. And he um I will I will just say this. 
he he re routinely reaches out to ask questions. I mean, I, I I say that so people know that he does his homework. Like if he if last year after the Louisville game, he called me and said, "Who the hell is this receiver?" Mm -hmm. He was watching Johnny Wilson that night and was blown away and did not know because why would he um, that we had got a transfer from Arizona State who barely played, and uh, he was watching that game going, "That dude's unguardable." That's an NFL wide receiver. And he called me like, where did the hell did you get those guys? And how come you didn't tell me about them? And I was like, well, he's new. And that really kind of was his coming out party that game in a lot of ways. That's, I mean, if you think about the role he took on in that game um, and, and, and kind of played through being banged up as well. Yeah, and, and it's the comprehensive nature of that performance because it, it's a little bit of everything. There's the, mm -hmm. the blocking, which uh, one of the late runs in the game, the blocking was outstanding. It's the over-the-top, which is, means that you got to have some speed to you. It's the red zone. Uh, it's possession catches to move drives. He, he had an early catch in the first drive in the third quarter when they run the RPO. Uh, mm -hmm. That sets the tone because that first first down is always huge, and, and that's across the board no matter what kind of offense you run. But if you can get that first first down with – good rhythm and it doesn't it's not laborious and you're moving and and you've got the defense back on their heels so it was just total comprehensive whoop ass whooping to brownlee and others that were in that um louisville secondary that was easily his second best performance behind i think the oklahoma game which was nuts and he had a big drop in the oklahoma game and still went for 200 yards but those were the two performances i think he had roughly 900 yards last year give or take 50 here or there but those two performances were, I mean, the bulk of the production. The great thing about Johnny, without getting too sidetracked on Johnny Wilson, but he'll block your ass off anyway. So, like, even if he goes for three for 27, he's doing awesome things in the run game, too. So, Johnny's an interesting prospect. Florida State's receiving core is interesting. Um, I think you and I might not be on the same page about this receiving core. I think I think it's good. I think you think it's better than good. Um yeah. I think its strength is its versatility. Yeah. Yeah, I like that there's some balance on that receiving core. I just don't – they don't have a superstar on that receiving core yet. There's nobody like you. When you look at Ohio State's receivers, you're like, oh, that's that's a little different. Yeah, I mean, there's been some guy. you know, there's no Jordan Addison like you had at USC or players like that on this – even TCU had um, – I can't remember his name all of a sudden, st well, stud wide receiver. There's There isn't a guy like that on this receiving core. I think Johnny could be that guy, but we all know the reason that it's not arrived just yet. The thing is, he's already he has the focus to make the clutch catches, so to speak. And, and you know, clutch is like a dirty word, especially in baseball. But you think about the high profile catches he made in the Florida game, one of which was a third down throw down the sideline. I mean, that's the most difficult uh, attempt of the game for him in terms yeah. of coming down with the football and about the two or three easiest he, he flubs away. So if there's consistency ever achieved there, then he's going to be that guy. The thing that, that really hurt me, and, and I think they're going to be just fine because they're deep at receiver, but I thought Malik McLean was going to a different place by the end of last year, and that just kind of sucks. You've got a ton of options, and if Winston Wright is anything close to the form that he had two years ago, that's going to help matters incredibly, and he can flex in a Hakeem Williams as a freshman. But I thought Malik was going to a place where he was going to be a comprehensive nightmare, especially because somebody's going to command single coverage. And I mean, every play, somebody that's good is going to be in singles. It's interesting with Malik McClain too. I don't harbor any bitterness or resentment no. to him, right. but at the same time, I, I really wish I could get into his head. He, 
he wants to clearly be a featured receiver. He wants to be a star and maybe he will be. Um, this offense is going to be fairly prolific. And I just don't know why you wouldn't stick around for that. I mean, I believe that the NFL is as thorough a league as there is in vetting talent uh, because the pressure to win and the, the, there's so few roster spots, they find guys. I mean, that's how guys get found out at HBCUs. This is how guys find, you know, you get junior college kids that go to the NFL. I mean, if you can play, they find you. Um, and so you don't have to catch 80 balls to be on the roster or, or excuse me, the radar of an NFL team. So, you know, he just must want that. He must want to prove that he's the man. He must want to be able to, to per, perhaps project as a first round pick or something like that. He thinks that, and that's fine. Uh, yeah, it's a shame he left. I get it. Hakeem Williams is the guy that while we're talking about the true difference makers on a roster at wide receiver. And that's what I mean when I say they don't have that. They've got a lot of good players. And they've got some guys that might take a step towards great. Johnny Wilson's a candidate to take a real big step. If he catches the, if he consistently catches the football, it's the same thing I've said since he got here. Just catch the damn ball. He feels like Mike Evans light to me, you know, and, and, and he's taller than Mike is. He's slower than Mike too. I think, um, but I see, this is where we disagree on this. I think his get off at the line of scrimmage is not on the level of Mike. Don't get me wrong. Mike, That's, Mike's otherworldly for the size, but Johnny, Johnny's not nothing. In terms of in terms of generating separation off the line of scrimmage, it's better than it should be for somebody that size. And if I agree, but he is not elite. That get off is not elite. It's good, especially for a man his size. You and I agree on this. But he'll be docked on that get off at the NFL level. They're going to say, "Man, big long corners in this league are going to jam you," yep. and you're I, we don't think you can do what you watch Mike Evans do. I, I look forward to that conversation after he goes for 1250 this year. <laughs> well, he's going to have a big year. Yeah. As you correctly noted, most of this schedule is ass. Yeah. So he's going to have a great season. And, you know, that debate will still be entire. <laughs> <laughs> for people who can't see on WarChant TV, just <laughs> flapping butt cheeks. There you go. As drawn, as drawn. But, drawn, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. The, much of the schedule is cheeks. So, you know, you got an opportunity for him to put up huge numbers. Listen, I consistently root for Johnny. Uh, I said he would be good. I just need him to be great, and he hasn't been because he's inconsistent. Now, he's taken over some games. He's made miraculous plays. You're way better to have him on the team than not. He's a starter, understandably, has games where you think he's the best player on the field. All of that is true. And then you watch, you know, you'll have a game with two catches for 27 yards. He's kind of quiet, drops three balls, and really should be lauded for his blocking. So I, it's just one of those things where it's it's the inconsistency. Yeah. That's all it is. That's where, though, look, if he's got, you know, NFL above average, doesn't have to be great uh, in, in three or four categories, the way he blocks, that dude's going to see the field a ton. On oh, he's going to the league. Who the, who the hell blocks like that at the NFL level? Like, you know, Heinz Ward was famous for it. This guy could be like that. And then you go with the size, you know, as a red zone threat, that yeah. dude's going to find the field a lot. Oh, Johnny's interesting prospect. He's going to the league. He'll play in the league. I'm rooting for him. Don't get it twisted. I think Johnny is an NFL player. The degree to which we describe what caliber of player he is in the NFL is the debate. That that's all we're saying, and 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 that's really everything. Jeff Cameron, ninety three three Real Talk Radio, War Champ TV.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. loosey-goosey in that there's three minutes left in this segment because Tom and I have been talking at great lengths about the degree to excellence for which Florida State football will be judged and we'll take a hard right turn for the remaining two and a half minutes as I suggest to you that some things change radically over time with your taste buds from the time you were say eight years old to the time you're 40 years old whatever it might be and others uh, will never be as good as they once were, and you long for the moment that you had them. I'll give you two examples, Tom, and then I want two examples, and then we'll start hour two. And that would be, my mom makes something called tuna noodle casserole. Have you ever had tuna noodle casserole, Tom? No, no, that's a safe bet, no. Um, it's delicious, and it's made delicious by the, well, first of all, you have to like tuna, and if you don't, then you're not going to like tuna noodle casserole, but, uh, so there's a, there's a no start for you, but, uh, I would also tell you that, uh, she, she, you probably wouldn't like this aspect of it, although you do like pizza, it is blanketed with, uh, Swiss cheese, so you have these noodles, Swiss cheese, I think it's mixed in with the mayonnaise and the tuna, which you wouldn't handle well, although you wouldn't be able to see the mayonnaise, but that's what's mixed in with the tuna. And then you bake it. You bake it, Tom. And damn it, it is unbelievable. And I haven't had it since I left home. And she used to make it as a throwaway meal when we were, you know, hustling and busting. And she's like, hey, I'm just going to do tuna noodle casserole. And I, to me, like that would be a $100 dish at a fancy restaurant. You're like, oh, I think I will get the tuna noodle casserole. I'm going to go ahead and splurge. It's that good. And I miss it. I just want to proclaim loudly that I miss it. Is there a childhood dish you miss you haven't had since you left your parents' house? Oh, man. Well, it's more of a brand than anything. But there used to be these, uh, you know, uh, Mullers or Millers, the uh, pasta company. Correct. They, they used to have these spaceship little, like, they almost look like macaroni and cheese characters. But they were spaceship pasta noodles. And they were, I just I always wanted them. What? <laughs> Somehow they tasted different. Somehow they tasted differently to any other type of pasta that, it, that you know, they had on the shelf. You I wonder if you ate them now, would they? Or was it just nostalgia in childhood? Oh, it was nostalgia in childhood. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. There are things that you chase the rest of your life. Like, I'll never enjoy cereal the way I did when I was a kid. I'll never yeah. will. Like, well, you know, you get corn pops or Cap'n Crunch or oh, whatever. Yeah. Like, the sugary stuff, the really sugary stuff. God, I love that. And now I have it. I'm like, woo. Oh, I eat three bowls of cereal a day every day in, in high school, middle school, you name yeah. it. I that's all I ate cereal all the time and all kinds of cereal. Cocoa yeah. Pebbles, Fruity Pebbles, yep. obviously Captain Crunch, Crunch Berries, Golden Grams, Raisin Bread. I mean, Raisin Bread, forget about it. I'll give you one more quickly. And that is 
hydration didn't matter in your teenage years. No. I would have a Mountain Dew Slurpee at the end of playing three hours of pickup ball. Yeah. And I miss that. Right now, if I had half of it, I think I would have a stomach ache and vomit. You'd take one sip and you'd go, what was I doing? Yeah. It's too sweet. I can't even drink soda anymore in the same way. You take one sip, you're like, what is this nonsense? Yep. Yeah, I know. Oh, and real quick, as we go to break, the I, I've said before, I hated cantaloupe in my youth. Now I like cantaloupe. I hated avocados in my youth. I can't. I would continue to eat avocado. I'd eat seven of them right now. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with. 